0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish, it's Thursday, it's March 31st, this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast, I got Matt Norlander with me, I got Sam Vecini with me, it is the week of the Final Four, we are in Houston for the Final Four, uh, Vecini, do you have Final Four fever yet, are you over, are you, are you overrun with Final Four fever?
1: What is Final Four fever? I don't
0: know. It seems like <laughs> something somebody would say somewhere, though. Do it it, it just ha-
1: sounds like it sounds like alliteration to
0: Do me. Do you have Final Four fever or not? It was a, it was a simple question.
1: Oh, yes. I'm thrilled. I am ready to uh, be here at the Final Four. It is lovely in Houston right now. I'm not sure I've seen more clouds in the sky over the last year, given that I live in Los Angeles.
0: The guy from Southern California complaining about Houston, Texas. I could have predicted this,
2: Norlander. Without a doubt. I mean, come on. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm just sick. I'm overrun with Final Four fever right now.
0: Hashtag Final Four fever.
2: Uh well you know I don't know if we need to go that far but sure
0: the only thing that would make this better if two pros and a Plumly were here
2: I know it's 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 a, it's yeah. a damn shame but it is uh Let's
1: bring that up <laughs> it's, sore, it's a sore, sore spot you know
2: it does feel good to uh to be down here she's already seen plenty of coaches. Coach's hotel is already kind of ridiculous and overrun. I couldn't believe how busy it was actually in this city last night because usually we get in on Wednesday and there's people. But it's it to me, it seemed way busier than I expected. So I'm sure the next couple of nights will get uh, pretty outrageous. Yeah,
0: well, Last night got outrageous. Let's not lie to each other. It felt outrageous <laughs> to me. It felt outrageous when I woke up this morning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I, Man, I left you and I was like... Law. I was like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder when that man is going to go to bed. And uh, I think by the tones of our voices, we all, we all know. But hey, it, it really like this is um, this should be pretty cool, pretty fun. Uh, you know, four great coaches in the final four, and we got media stuff coming up later today. And um, I'm I'm pretty excited, man. I'm I'm getting the feeling that uh, as we get closer to game time, people aren't as all about Carolina, like, necessarily being, like, the overwhelming favorite, and as someone who picked Oklahoma at the start of the tournament, I agree with that as well. Um, But we'll see how these players and teams are acting. It's always interesting to see if the guys are loose, you know, the players themselves. It's such a big event. Like, it's so different from even the previous two weekends in the tournament. By the time you get to the Final Four, just the grand stage of it all. I could see it, you know, sometimes it's a little bit intimidating for some players and other teams. You know, they just, like, Wisconsin last year was, like, the loosest team in the history of the tournament, um, ultimately that didn't end up mattering because they didn't win. But you know, certainly they were able to knock off Kentucky.
0: I feel like I'm going to be loose. I uh, I, uh, I feel good about it. I'm uh, I've been here before.
2: So, yes, you have.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, I don't feel like there's anything to be uptight about. I'm just going to try to enjoy the experience. Um, and we were headed to the arena uh, soon, which is pr- that's the biggest issue with Houston is that um, the dome isn't downtown we're downtown the dome isn't downtown and that's why i think it was our buddy greg doyle who wrote last year you know we should just do this in indianapolis every year like i i I really do believe that indianapolis is a perfect setup i'm fine with new orleans as well i'm actually fine with st louis as well but you need the restaurants hotels bars and dome to all be within walking distance and that is not what you get in houston like i have to go catch a i gotta catch a ride to the dome that's ridiculous
2: <laughs> Hashtag catch a ride to the dome. Catch a ride to the yeah, dome. I Nobody should have to catch a ride
0: to the dome. You should walk to the dome.
2: I know. It, it is very spread out. I wonder, you know, just kind of thinking out loud here, if Houston will ever get a Final Four again because San Antonio is back in the mix. Dallas has, you know, Jerry's World, and, and that's not the greatest spot either, to be honest with you. No, There's plenty, plenty of stuff spread out there. But when you've got these three competing c- cities and, like, Houston is just so spread out um I, I don't know i, I don't know if this will be the the last time for for a couple of decades or if it'll get in the mix again it's okay like there's nothing nothing against houston it's the fourth biggest city they say it'll overtake chicago by like 2020 in terms of population and you know it's it's actually the most air-conditioned city in america i'm learning all these amazing houston facts but like
1: <laughs> is, how do you even know hashtag fu- houston facts <laughs>
2: that's right how do i know this actually i have a, a friend who is a reporter down here so she has informed me plenty well and uh but no, when, like, you've got San Antonio, New Orleans, Indianapolis, these very walkable cities, St. Louis, which had it in the past, it does make it a lot, uh, you know, just from a logistics standpoint, you know? Like, I like I want to go see Kendrick Lamar on Saturday, and I, I don't know, like, how far that is from the Dome, you know? Do you remember, GP, when we went to New Orleans 2012? It was you, me, and Pablo Torre, and we Shout saw— Shout out to Pablo Torre! My, and we saw Black Keys and Pablo like sweat through his entire suit and had to go to the Final <laughs> four that night. I do
0: remember. But
2: that. like that, you know, that was uh, but it was at least it was walkable. But I don't know where this uh, this Kendrick thing's going down. And are you going with me, GP? Sam, I know you're going.
0: Well, here's, here's the problem. What? Can we go? When is it?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, is it during well, the games or, or is it? I don't the think
2: so. I think that I don't think they have the the concerts compete with the games, but that is the question because I think Kendrick is the last one to perform on saturday because i think uh maroon five sam's favorite band is the headliner on sunday <laughs> and, and fallout boy is, is i think the headliner on friday um but Kendrick's the only one that i want to see and so the incidentally they they redeemed themselves with this at the last minute somehow booking him so that's the only one i have any sort of vested interest in seeing
0: well norlander you're the one with the houston friend can you like figure out what time kendrick lamar plays
2: I'm going to find that out by the end of the day. Okay.
0: If we can go, we're going to go. That's That that would that, that, be my answer. If, if it's possible to go, we're going, right? Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So the games are uh, Saturday. And uh, the first one, of course, is Villanova, Oklahoma, followed by North Carolina, Syracuse. Villanova fans, they were uh, greatly offended uh, by the last podcast because we didn't discuss them enough. Norlander, anything
2: you want to say about Villanova? Uh, yeah sure i got no problem <laughs> giving it. i got i could have just played that off and been like no let's just move on to oklahoma but uh they feel
0: like they feel well, like but, the part of the podcast where where i said listen syracuse winning is an unbelievable story because it's yeah, Jeff yeah. Beheim being hall of famer being suspended uh they'd be the first double digit seed ever to do it blah 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 and then I said, north carolina like north carolina is easy roy williams uh hall of fame coach preseason number one, won the ACC regular season title, ACC tournament title, got a one seed in the tournament, uh, now have a, would have a chance to win the national championship, could win the national championship. If they do it, they'd be only the fifth team in history to be preseason number one, win the league title, win the league tournament title, and then win the national championship, right? So that's a great story. Um, Oklahoma, it's Buddy Hill. Get out of my face. That's a great story. Buddy Buddy might be the best story. And then with Villanova, we were like, yeah, Villanova, like, that would means a lot to Villanova. It means a lot to Jay, but like I don't really know. I don't know how that story resonates nationally. And uh, Villanova fans, they 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 take that as a slap in the face. They felt like we slapped their 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 wildcat wildcat faces. So uh, Norlander, sell me on Villanova. Tell me why I I will be there on Monday night. Villanova wins the national championship, and I'll go. This is going to be something we'll remember forever.
2: Well I mean, that uh, that can is not a promise that I can keep. Now, um, if the game is interesting, there's certainly a, a decent possibility of that. I will say it will not surprise me if Villanova wins. In fact, I, I picked Oklahoma at the start of the tournament, so I'm sticking with that, but I would go Oklahoma one, Villanova 2 in terms of uh, teams that I would feel most comfortable picking. I think Villanova would have a fantastic chance at beating North Carolina. I think the, the reason why they're not as enticing of a story, is they have no first-round picks on their team. I mean, I enjoy watching them, and I've been saying for a while that they're really, really good, fantastic. And um, But I just, you know, they they don't have a college superstar. Ryan Archie is a really good player, but, you know, outside of that that city and, and the league, he doesn't have any sort of transcending uh, appeal the way that, that Buddy Heal does, you know? Um, but... Listen, I, I got nothing against Villanova. I've been, I've been the guy who's been saying that this is like a top four team in college basketball across the, across the past three years. And I put them in the Final Four. So I have nothing but love. And I can't wait for that game. I think it, all, it has a very good chance of being a good game. In my opinion, it should be the second game. It shouldn't be the first game. Well,
0: that's why um, you don't run a television network, Norlander, because Northern You Norlanders, you know
2: what, you're right. I don't run a television network. Breaking news, yeah, Norlander
0: does not run a television network. You no, know, you know what? Here's let me let me tell you, you me give you some inside info. Sure. Inside television info? Uh losing Virginia and replacing it with Syracuse, that's a positive for for television. Yes. Even though yes, Virginia was the one seed, the the executives at TBS um, I, I can tell you that they they do not mind losing a one seed and replacing it with, with Syracuse. Syracuse is a much bigger brand and a much better option for television purposes. So when you get North Carolina and Syracuse, it doesn't matter the records, it doesn't matter the seeds. That is the prime. That's the that's the game uh, that'll that'll rate better for television purposes. No, I'm, I do I'm...
1: wonder if uh, the idea that it's both ACC, uh, two ACC games, does play in a bit to make that a bit less appealing, uh, just because it's. But again, it's. I, I guess it's not in the same locale. You know, uh, it's not in the same uh, area of the country. Syracuse is northeast. North Carolina, Southeast, maybe that helps, I guess. But uh, then again, there uh, aren't really any Western teams, so you're not going to get that major spread throughout the country. So it's, it, it, I agree with you. I would say that Syracuse, North Carolina is the marquee matchup for TV purposes. Uh, I mean, Virginia just doesn't help anyone there.
0: Right. And uh, you know what? Um, I believe uh, North Carolina would have been the, the big game no matter what. Like North Carolina, North Carolina could play to anybody. North Carolina just North Carolina, simply um, being North Carolina trumps anything else for television purposes. But um, yeah, but the game I'm looking most forward to is is Oklahoma Villanova. I think from a basketball fan's perspective, Oklahoma Villanova is the the more interesting matchup. Um, From a television like, let's get eyeballs. Uh, perspective. It's it's North Carolina, Syracuse, and I won't be surprised either if Villanova wins. In fact, Villanova's favored. No, nobody by definition should be uh, surprised if Villanova wins. And uh, listen, if 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 they win, um, the whole thing it'll be a, it'll be a tremendous story. My the only point I think we were trying to make. I don't want to speak for you guys. The only point I was trying to make was that um, there's this very easily attachable narrative um, to to every other story, and with Villanova, it's like wow, that's neat, Villanova won the national championship, but, like, okay, where is it from there? But perhaps the idea that they were able to win it without first-round draft picks, they were able to win it um, with with guys who were recruited to be four-year players and have mostly become four-year players, and um, mm-hmm. perhaps that's the story, you know? Like, uh,
2: Well, uh, yeah. I mean, if we're say Here's why I would say this. I would say that winning a title certainly... Uh, it it enters you into a certain club here, and Jay Wright's considered like a top twenty coach in the sport. So if he can get a title, that's obviously a pretty huge moment for him, and it will be the you know Villanova will not only just have that one crazy underdog story from '85 when you know Massimino won it. That's yeah, that's pretty much the the biggest you know. Thing that's attached to that program I feel so that I think that there are the good stories to come from Villanova like no, no doubt about it um and you know Wright's reputation and legacy will obviously be lifted like once you win that title man things change a lot and that would be a really cool and good thing for him
0: did you guys read the Washington Post story on Roy Williams
2: I'm so happy you brought that up because I was gonna shoehorn it into this podcast because I think we should actually absolutely discuss it I did read it by a good writer who I actually uh Talked and hung out with in Chicago, Oh, Kent
0: I talked and hung out with somebody from the Washington Post.
2: Yeah, it's called... <laughs> GP, do not even try and give me flack about name-dropping on this podcast. This Some is... guy tweeted at us and said, you guys should start a drinking game whenever Parrish brags. You'd be drunk by the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so don't even go there. <laughs> this dude, but no, this, this but...
0: dude's already dropped uh, Pablo... He's
2: dropped uh, uh, Kent
0: Bab. Kent Bab. Anybody else you Anybody else you know you'd like to share with us, Norlander?
2: No, I'm okay. But right. the point is, <laughs> Kent Bab is a is a, just a cool, low key dude, really talented writer. And Roy Williams is kind of losing his stuff over this. This isn't the first time this season that Roy Williams has taken time out of uh, his you know media responsibilities to go after a, a media personality. Obviously, you know someone misconveyed what Doug Gottlieb had said on a TV show earlier this year about Roy stepping down. And Roy you know, <laughs> took a shot at Gottlieb for putting his shorts on backwards while he was at Oklahoma State. I think that's totally fair. But now you've got Roy basically saying, if me and my friends saw that guy in the street, it would get ugly. Which <laughs> The vision alone, by the way of Roy Williams and his 60-something colleagues running into Kent Bab on the street and getting into some sort of scuffle like it's West Side Story is entertaining enough. But there is something behind, like, I don't know. Can I, you I, imagine I like
0: to, Roy I, Williams and his, 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 his 60-year-old buddies beating up, beating, beating up a reporter <laughs> from the White House? How good would that be? Honestly,
2: it would be. Like, Honestly, like- it would be. It would be the story of the year. He I legit, mean, he legit
0: true. threatened him. Like he basically was like, "Hey, we bumping, we bumping this guy walking around the Final Four. It's, it's going down for real.
2: <laughs> it's going down <laughs> for real. I don't know. It, it there's something with Roy, like." He's he's gotten a little defensive. I like to see the edge from him, but the story itself isn't even that bad. I That's read that. You thing. know what? So
0: I I didn't read it like when it was posted. Not. I just missed it. I don't know how or why. I just missed it. And so then I saw Roy's comments about it, and I said, "Ooh, like, ooh, what happened here?" And I went back and read it, and I was like, "What's the big deal? Like, what? Yeah. Like, what? Why are you mad about this?" I didn't understand why I was mad about that. Like, what was so bad about the story? Other than it painted. I think a fairly accurate picture of what Roy's going through.
2: You're right. I don't. I don't get it.
0: I didn't get it either. I would, I, I like. Was expecting to read something like, uh, you know, and, inflammatory. And, and, yeah, like, like uh, angry. Yeah, like Roy Williams is a cheater who's going to die soon, and so North Carolina needs a new coach. Like I, I was like, I went into it thinking, okay, well here here we go, and and yet I read it and it, I thought it was a pretty, like a, a, it, it painted a pretty fair picture accurate picture of 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 what roy's going through and um with quotes from his friends and it wasn't even one of these like guy parachutes in to write about college basketball does the normal like you know just uh, whatever and and uh, didn't understand the, the 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 story and blah 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 um this wasn't that. This was well reported. I thought well presented, obviously well written because it was written by a talented writer. Um I don't I don't know why that bothered Roy so much.
1: Well, I think what their argument was like Roy and his friends, I guess that some of his friends told Roy that they were misquoted. Uh, I mean, mm. I, I mean it, it is it, that's what it seemed like to me at least when Roy kind of went off on the guy and I don't know. I, I would doubt that, given uh, how, how good of a writer Kent Babb is, and uh, I mean Norlander apparently knows him well. He, he can tell <laughs> us about his meticulous nature. Yeah, uh, Norlander. And, would, yeah.
0: If you could, and this is why it's uh, advantageous to have you on this podcast, um, just a little more detail about about the author Kent Babb, like where you guys have hung out, what, what <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, what kind, we, what type of food we, you put now, in your mouth
0: while you were doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and he listen. He is he's really one of the more respected, talented writers, uh, in my opinion, sports writers out there. So,
1: just wrote an uh, awesome book on Allen Iverson.
2: Yeah, and he covers the NFL. Like uh, to be honest, like I'm sure the BS he has to deal with on the NFL level compared to college basketball is, you know, it's it's the worlds apart entirely. But. I, I honestly, my my guess is that Roy Williams just doesn't want his friends talking out of school about this. He's insecure with the fact that it's basically openly discussed within college basketball circles about his, you know when he's going to retire, uh, how much this NCAA investigation has weighed on him. We touched on that on the previous podcast. And so I just don't think that he likes the fact that any of this, has become part of North Carolina's story leading up to the Final Four, but this was always going to happen. This was inevitable. When you are at North Carolina and you are Roy Williams and you're dealing with the NCAA, this is part of it. It'll be interesting to see how today goes. We're recording this, obviously, before the Thursday media availability for North Carolina. I think they're the last ones to go near the end of the day, so if any headlines or quotes come out from Roy or the team, you'll see them uh, closer to the evening than early on. But you just got to take it, man. This was just always part of it. And we suspected this would be the case. I, I do like that he's given us stuff to talk about and to write about. And maybe he'll do that again later today. But it was going to be uh, like, it was just going to be inevitable. When you have this much behind you and sanctions seem inevitable, okay, with the NCAA, obviously people are going to talk about w- where you are as a coach, what might happen, how this has affected you. And he has every right to get annoyed with it but you know we have every right to write about it and, and, and report on it
0: um, how much of an issue do you think it'll be at the press conference like in terms of Roy and Jim also being asked about um, scandals and academic fraud like is, is that gonna be is that gonna be a story coming out of those press conferences I, I, I would assume they're gonna be asked about it um, and I would assume one of them is gonna if not both, is going to give a colorful quote. that makes sense to you, Sam?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'm not someone who tends to go to press conferences. I don't know how meaningful they are. Uh, It's a lot more beneficial for us, I think, to go to, like, locker rooms and go to, uh, like, breakout rooms afterwards and stuff. But uh, I'm sure someone will ask him about it, and it will probably be someone that you kind of mentioned earlier that will... uh, be just parachuting into college basketball, so to speak. And we'll ask Roy or Jim about something ridiculous. And I'm sure that they will not necessarily hold back their feelings on uh, the absurdity.
0: Yeah. it'll be, a, it'll be a story and it'll be a story from somebody who we, like the question will come from somebody we don't recognize as a familiar face.
1: Absolutely.
0: At a, absolutely at basketball events. I'm sort of like, I've, I've been asked about it. I guess every radio interview I've done between, uh sunday and now and uh, like uh, my thing is I, I think it's a fair thing to point out it's it's certainly worth talking about or or uh, thinking about but i don't have anything new to say about it like it's it's the mm-hmm. they're old stories that happen to to uh, be attached at this moment so it becomes a new story or it becomes a fresh story or it becomes um you know something that people are gonna, but I don't know what else to say. Like I, I've, I've written North Carolina columns. I've written Syracuse columns. I've, I, I, just, I don't know what, what there is new or, or smart, or, uh, unique to say about, um, Syracuse and North Carolina, both dealing with scandals. Here they are in the Final Four. Yeah. Okay. No. I agree. What? Yeah. Is it like. I, I guess there, like, wh- is there anything? We're is about that... to
1: see a whole lot of those, though.
0: Oh, sure, we are. Yeah, I just, uh, for me, I don't know what else there is to say about it. And
1: in fact, I fully agree with you. By yeah, the way, I'm yeah. just saying we're about to see, and I'm sure all of our listeners are going to see a whole lot of those stories coming out of Media Day on Thursday.
0: And if anything, yeah. and I, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast or a radio show or where, um, but what I, I I find it to be more representative of big-time college basketball, big-time college athletics than, than George Mason going to the Final Four or Butler going to the Final Four. I mean, if you just look at the very best, and we've talked about this before, the very best coaches in the sport, the guys who are active Hall of Famers, they've all had issues. And not all, but, but lots have, right? So, like you, you can go through them very quickly. Jim Boeheims, everybody knows that. I mean, they're like he missed nine games this year. Uh, NCAA suspension for rules violations. Larry Brown, Hall of Famer, also missed, missed nine games this year. Rules violations. John Calipari, active Hall of Famer, vacated two Final Fours. Uh, Rick Patino, active Hall of Famer, hooker scandal uh, being investigated right now. Um, uh, who am I leaving? Who am I missing? Oh, Shushetsky, like he's never been Sh- hit, but like he's... yeah.
2: But there was the rest of Lance Thomas stuff
0: and, and Corey McGetty.
2: McGetty, exactly. Like the
0: idea that you you have to vacate a Final Four for Marcus Canby, but you don't have to vacate anything for Corey McGetty. It's just, I'll never understand that. You can explain it to me a million times. I'll never understand it. Um, So like the best of the best, they've all, like it it, it almost seems, I don't want to say impossible, but unlikely that you can have a long, successful career in this sport without also operating outside of the rule book or having your players operate outside of the rule book without your knowledge. Um, So like, yeah, this, okay. North Carolina and Syracuse are in the final four. Makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is when somebody like Butler gets there out of the Horizon League, or when, when George Mason gets there out of the Cologne. That doesn't make sense to me. But this? This makes perfect sense to me. This is this is big-time college athletics. Uh,
2: you, you nailed it. Um, I, I wonder how much that will and should uh, you know, be part of the story as we lead up to the game, because there's, there's a lot of legitimacy to it. I also think that a lot of uh, fans can – grow fatigue of this kind of stuff because i think ultimately like it's something that's uh, like a major part of each program's story and each coach's story um but when we get to the final four they want to you know they just want to watch the games they hope the games are good a lot of that stuff they don't really care about in the moment not that we should ignore it because i don't think that we should um i just think that sometimes with some of these issues we can hit saturation points uh and they can get really, really old really fast. It's kind of like why with the NFL, like, I love watching football. But, like, the like it's just constant, you know, storylines that are just banged in your head consistently. And it just gets, you know, it, it kind of takes some of my joy away from actually following the sport. And I feel like when we get, uh, when we don't have new, like, genuine legitimate news. Like, imagine if Louisville was not in a postseason ban and made a Final Four this year. How much, like, how much the hooker story would just be taking over everything? Like, we'd be so sick of it, and yet so obligated to write about it. Uh, it would honestly, it would kind of take a lot of the joy and the fun away from covering the event, just because you know this stuff is—it's uh, kind of our job. But at the same time, you no, know, I, I, it kind of just wears then. Um,
0: when you and Kim Babb get together, what, what do you think you guys are going
2: to talk about this weekend? I don't, I don't think I don't think Kent is here. I, I'm I'm oh, how, uh... how, how
0: disappointed are you?
2: I'm not that disappointed. I guess I, I think I'm going to be able to move on. This is, by the way, this is Parrish's way of not having a segue from what I just talked about. So he's just going to throw some stuff at me So to be like, "Yeah, I'll go back to the thing with Norlander and Kent Babb. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll fill up some more podcast time. <laughs> you want to you want to talk about what you were doing late last night, GP? What was is I that, doing? Your... What
0: was I? Doing? I don't know.
2: What were you doing?
0: I don't remember. Well,
2: Oh, okay. Well, then I, I can't even remember. <laughs> no, I coach. mean,
0: nothing Nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing no, nutty. No, I guess it wasn't too crazy. No I, was stand, no, I was standing there telling stories. That's what I did. I was basically running a podcast late last night at the bar.
2: You really were. And it is fun. I won't give any names out. But it is it is cool at the Final Four when you get these coaches, plenty of whom just were in the coaching in the tournament last week and the week before Um Because for them, you know, the Final Four is a really cool time for them to to reconnect. They're not on the road recruiting like they are in the summer and all that stuff. And um, specifically at the Coach's Hotel, you know, they're very loose and it is – cool to see them in that kind of environment and the wednesday night one is usually fun because because you know we haven't gone to the press conference yet we haven't done any of that stuff and uh there were many interesting faces in that lobby last yeah
0: night. well the way it goes down is is um at the final four most people come in on wednesday but the parties and stuff don't start till thursday friday right so tonight people typically have plans or parties both uh friday night everybody has plans parties whatever but on Wednesday night, nobody really makes plans for Wednesday night because it's like, yeah, we get in, and then so uh, people are just sort of um, drawn to the to the main hotel like lobby, main hotel bar, as it was last night, and so um, yeah, it was like you know, every, every, not every coach in America, but a whole bunch of them uh, just hanging out last night, tables, bars, whatever, and uh, it's it's a good place to be. You you a you just you you meet up with. Uh, with, with people that you, you haven't seen in a while or, or, or talked to in a while. Um, but be, like the storytelling is pretty, uh, as yeah. you saw last night, the storytelling is really, really good. Like there's some great storytelling. Um, Without a doubt. yeah. So the Wednesday night at the, at the hotel is always a good time. So listen, uh, I said that we're, uh, as soon as we wrap this up, we are headed over to the dome for uh, media availability. And one of the things, uh, if you want to touch on a Villanova story that I'm, I think I'm working on is, uh, Jay Wright, because this is a guy, everybody, I don't think anybody remembers him not being successful as a coach. Cause he's like consistently been good at Villanova, <laughs> but the first three years, what was that chuckle about Sam? You remember when Jay Wright sucked?
1: <laughs> uh, I am not old enough to remember when Jay Wright. <laughs> okay.
0: Sucked. this is perfect. Right. But here, here's the deal. He, um, in his first three years at Villanova missed the NCAA tournament. It was a miss, miss, miss. And in that third year, Um, they had like uh, off the court issues. There was like a phone card scam or some sort of like, like team, the half team was suspended. I'm overstating all of this, but it was like something, it was a deal. And if we would have been around, even I'm too young to have been around back then for this, but if we would have been around, Are we sure about that? Shut up, Sam. If we would have (laughs) been, if we would have been around and we're doing a hot seat, a hot seat list, like the one that had Brian Gregory on it and Dave Rice on it and Travis Ford on it, which is also another interesting thing I'll, t- I'll talk about in a minute. Um, if we would have been doing a hot seat list in that year, heading into Jay Wright's fourth year at Villanova, he would have been on it. He would, like If he would have had a bad year in his fourth year, for whatever reason, you might. Lose a bunch of close games, starting point guard gets hurt, whatever. He really might have been fired at Villanova after four seasons. And instead, they went to the Sweet 16 and it's been... Uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's been dominant. It's been, it's been very good high level college basketball program ever since, but just sort of the, and I, I don't think it's a lesson that, Hey, if you give somebody time, they'll figure it out. Cause sometimes you give somebody time, they'll just, they'll just screw it up. Right. But I, I do think that it, it, it underlines um, just how uh, on the ropes his career might've been. Like he was one bad year away from maybe getting fired. And I, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty unique thing to be in that position and then and then immediately flip it to a point where now you're headed upward and and now you've sustained it for like, you know, 15 years or whatever it is. It's uh like I, I think once you, I've, I've long believed that once you end up on the hot seat list, you never really get off of it. And yet Jay Wright is probably the the best current example of that.
1: I, you know, agree. I think that you're so right. So. Yeah. Uh, No, I think that that's pretty much right. I mean, Jay is, and, you know, that was a ridiculous, terrible pun on Jay's name, but like uh, Jay has become one of the best coaches in college basketball, maybe a future Hall of Famer. I think we talked about that on Monday's podcast, where we think that Jay is uh, probably going to be headed that direction. I mean, he's going to probably end up with 500 wins next year. And uh, if he can pick up this national title this year, that would be a major uh, major thing in his pocket. So it really is a remarkable kind of turnaround. I mean, like I said, I am, I am too young to remember a, a time when Jay Young <laughs> or uh, Jay Wright, not Jay Young, Jay Wright, uh, is, was on the hot seat and was, uh, in trouble for his job. But, you know, I mean, he's been to the NCAA tournament, uh, every year, but one since 2004, 2005. So, uh, it's, a uh, it's a good story, I would say. I'm, I'm interested to read about a time when Jay Wright was not considered uh, a genius. <laughs> yeah, I'm,
0: I'm interested to write it, I think. Um. Okay, Norland, let's wrap up with this because I thought this was interesting. As the coaching carousel thing continues to uh, unfold, and uh, I guess the most recent notable news is Travis Ford is the uh, new mm-hmm. head coach at St. Louis. Um, There were three guys last year who kept their job Not simply because their school wanted to give them another year, but because their school was, was, the hands were tied because of money, right? The contract just, like, do we really want to buy this guy out? Why not give him another year? Fingers crossed. But there were three guys who got another year. Like, if you could have just torn up their contract, their schools probably would have done it. But they got another year, somewhat because of money. Even though there was very little on paper to suggest that the next year was going to be better than the previous one, or at least uh, better enough uh, to to make it reasonable to continue forward. And it was Dave Rice at UNLV, uh, Brian Gregory at Georgia Tech, Travis Ford at Oklahoma State, and a year later, really in, in in Dave's case, less than a year later, they were all fired. And so I do I, I found that interesting because more and more now we're we're seeing schools. Um, tied to a particular coach for for money reasons like they they're on a bad contract um with cost of attendance stipends or whatever just for what the money's not there to pay guys to go away and so you 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 say okay like we'll continue forward and just hope that maybe you know it'll be a breakthrough year maybe something good will happen maybe we won't have to pull the trigger and in all three cases um all three cases, uh, the guys they, they didn't they didn't get oh. it turned around. And like it's a little bit like what's happening at Memphis right now. Like Josh Pastner is a getting, lot
2: like what's happening at Memphis. I think it's exactly
0: yeah. what's happening at Memphis right now. Josh is getting another year, Josh Pastner, um, simply because it would cost too much money to make him go away. The, the university simply does not have the money. And you know if you're just looking at recent history. Um, like odds are, the Memphis is going to find itself in the exact same position next year, um, with a slightly um, lower buyout, but still having to make a, a tough decision. I guess I, I don't really know what the point of all that is, other than to say no. uh, when you th- when you think you, you, you your coach is probably headed nowhere, and you think you probably need a change. Um, there's three examples this year that that suggest you were probably right initially, and it might not be unwise to just. Uh, to eat the big number when you need to eat the big number and get on with it, uh, because at least in this particular year at Oklahoma State, UNLV, and Georgia Tech, um, the miracle that, that the administration was hoping for it did It's not even a miracle. Just like hey, be, be good enough so we don't have to fire you next year. Like it it didn't work out that way. Is that I remember Jeremy yeah. Foley, the Florida athletic director, one time saying, "As soon as you're thinking about firing a coach, you need to go ahead and fire the coach because it, it's well." Like, I
1: mean, uh, Tom Crean's a Good example of a guy that probably was on the hot seat last here's year and what, probably had that conversation last year. Yeah. He?
0: Here's what I would say that makes Tom different than the other three is that when you looked at Georgia tech's roster, you didn't think there was anything that made you sure. Yeah. No. Okay. Where are they going? They might, they'll be better, but good enough. UNLV better, but good enough.
1: Um, uh, uh UNLV, I'll say this about UNLV. I, I don't think the question has ever been the talent. I mean, yeah, He's got yeah. a five-star kid in Steven Zimmerman, right. a four-star kid that can jump out the gym and, uh, jared derrick jones right. that's right yeah. uh mm-hmm. and yeah no i, I think the unlv is a case where it seemed like things could be headed in the right direction that's fair. and that's they fair. were decidedly not in the, headed in the right direction that's fair uh okay. yeah so I, yeah i don't disagree with that
0: i guess i guess my point would be when you looked at tom's situation at indiana and by the way shout out to nina swanson she sent a shirt. Remember, we had the conversation about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Shout
1: out to Nina.
0: You can't spell ladder without C R E A N. She had the shirts made. She sent them to us. I have brought them to Houston. I've got your shirts. I've got your time. I Tom. can't wait to
2: see these shirts. I've got your time. I'm thrilled. I'll
0: bring them to the dome today. I've got your Tom Crean awesome. ladder shirts. So, uh, thank you to Nina. That was really, really sweet. Um, I guess the difference for Tom would be. when you looked at what he had coming back and what he was enrolling, you saw a preseason top 15 team. Now, obviously, if he would have run it into the ground instead of straight up a ladder, um, he would have probably been removed. But there was at least something you could look at with Tom Crean and say, yeah, but they're going to be really good next year. So, like, he'll be fine. But with the other guys, there wasn't a whole lot that suggested they're going to be really good next year. And it sort of reminded me of, of something Jeremy Foley said once. Um, which is like when you think you it's time for a new coach, it almost always is, you know. Like it's like it rarely turns itself around in a way that doesn't make you think you shouldn't have pulled the trigger when you did, and and um, perhaps that's the, the the lasting lesson as it is um, at Georgia Tech. Here, you know, here but, would yeah. be
1: my question to you. Okay, do you think that Georgia Tech is okay having? Turned its wheels for a year and not having to pay another year of buyout to Brian Gregory. Do you think that that is worth the expenditure, so to speak, of not having to pay the buyout for well, a year well, they, versus paying?
0: Well, they, they they clearly decided it was because um, that that's the decision that they made. But sure, um, like if money's not an issue, and that's I guess that's the point. Money is issue. I was going to say
1: like money is an issue money for is a lot of issue. teams, right?
0: So. Um, I mean, does it do any long-term damage? I don't know, but it, it like if if um, I don't know, like let's say they hire Jeff Capel and Jeff Capel's is going to be the guy to rebuild Georgia Tech. Well, you're you're a, you're a year behind schedule, so it it just it, yeah. it it's just a wasted year. If you're okay with the wasted year, um, then fine. But that's what it is. It, it ends up being a wasted year. Um, so, oh, speaking of, we've only got at this moment two Power Five jobs open. Remember last year we were all like like or at least I I just remember having to look at my phone every second of every minute that I was in the, at the final four because of the shock of smart news because Texas and shock was going to be a big story. And yet, you know, Georgia tech fine Vanderbilt, whatever. But I don't know that there's like a earth shattering story. That's going to, I think we're, I think we're mostly done with the earth shattering stories of, uh, of the coaching carousel. So that's good news, right?
1: Yeah. This year, it feels like it's more NBA draft related. Honestly, just because I, I of this new even, rule.
0: I can't even get involved. I can't even, like, I can't even make myself care about this NBA draft stuff. Every day, 100 people, transfer is an NBA draft. Every day, 100 kids are declaring or transferring. And, and with the declarations, like, they don't mean anything until somebody signs with an agent. Like, I, I'm so sick of reading, like, little tweets. So-and-so declaring for the draft. Will not hire representation. Like, I don't yeah. even care. I agree.
1: Yeah, but I, I think it matters, though, at the same time. Uh, I I think that these guys declaring for the draft and testing their stock is going to be a big deal. Like uh, Ben Bentle declaring for the draft, he's probably a first-team All-American next year if he returns. And uh, you know, if he's not back, it's going to be interesting. And you know, today for instance is Julian Jacobs is a guy at USC that's really good. It's going to be interesting to see how it affects kids' decision-making process going forward in the way that. Uh, it affects the college game because I think you are actually going to see uh, these older players end up not returning. I, I think it's actually going to have the opposite of the intended effect
2: that too. coaches
1: are hoping it have. It has. Uh, it's it's not going to be uh, not going to be a situation where guys are like, oh yeah, we're happy to turn down money. Like once they hear that the money that's going to be thrown around, I think that they're going to be happy with what they get. You're exactly right.
0: And it going to have an unintended consequence. And that's it's not going to to educate prospects and let them understand the advantages of going back to school. It's going to um, educate prospects and it'll it'll show them that, hey, you're probably not going to the NBA. But do you want to make eighty thousand dollars? You know, you mm-hmm. want to you want to make you make one hundred twenty thousand dollars. And in a lot of the cases, like that's way more money than their parents have ever made, right? So like, here's here's what uh, the way I explained it uh, to somebody, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's a little bit like, have you ever gone to a car lot just to look at a car? Like I'm not gonna buy a car today, and you just go there, but you but you are gonna spend all day on car lots. Uh, eventually, you're gonna walk out of there with a the car, because they're gonna make it, it's they're gonna just going to to frame it in a way. That makes perfect sense for you. Like, the, okay, say, so, hey, so what's your car note now? Uh, three hundred. Oh well, listen, I can get you this brand new car. And it doesn't have any transmission problems that you have in your other car, and we can low. You know, yeah, it's gonna be a, a you know four hundred and twenty-eight weeks or, or months or whatever your payments. But I can get <laughs> you, I can get your payment under two hundred fifty dollars, and so you start going. Okay, so uh, I can get a brand new car for less money per month. So I'm actually saving. You'll trick yourself into thinking you're saving money. Oh, this is great. I'm saving money. Yeah, bottom line, once you start walking around that car line, you walk out of there with a car. One time we went to get Kelly a new car, walked out of there with two new cars. Like I just bought one because I was there. They were like, you know, if you get two at the same time, it's like, I was like, cool, let's get two at the same time. Then I walked out of there. I'm like, why did I buy a new car today? Like, But once you walk in those in that world, um, it's it's designed for you to to – what in the world is going on?
1: What, was, what that? was that noise?
2: What was that, Norlander? i was just, I was just washing my hands real quick, dude. <laughs> what, what's wrong with you?
1: To be fair, at one point in this podcast, I went up and got some more water. So, uh, it, was, it was during the middle of a GP soliloquy, so I kind of just <laughs> went for started. it.
2: I'm actually surprised that you heard that. Cause I didn't well, to... you, well, you have a microphone on, so you shouldn't be. Surprised. I know, but it was just so much louder than I thought it would be.
1: <laughs> gotta hit that mute button. Well, you, you, gotta gotta hit to the, you gotta hit the mute button,
2: Love that I love that I threw them off just now. That's so funny. So,
0: uh, Sam, uh, if you happen to like still be sure. near the computer as I was talking and heard what I said, <laughs> I was
2: with my computer. I just was watching my.
0: Here's my bottom line. Once these kids get out there and get in the world and they, they're they they're not having right. to deal with English class, if somebody tells them, hey, oh, I'm going to level with you, you're not going to the NBA, but I can get you $80,000 to play in Turkey tax-free and you don't have to go to class at 9 o'clock in the morning on Monday, right. Wednesday, Friday, I think some kids are going to go, wow, I didn't even realize that all oh, this was an option. Well,
1: that's. that's it's, not even, it's not even Turkey. What's going to happen is... NBA teams are going to have money to throw around this summer like a lot of people don't realize the effect that the rise in the cap is going to have like you're going to go from getting NBA guys who get you know $75 to go to camp or $75,000 to go to camp like Taryn Petaway did last year that's going to go up to like 100, 125 this year, I think, uh, with guys that are, you know, go undrafted, like Malik Newman, for instance. Malik Newman might not get drafted. I think that, you know, he probably does, but, you know, say that he has a bad draft process and goes undrafted. Some team is still going to be like, all right, like, you know, Malik's a year off of being like a great prospect. You know, we we think he can, you know, really score, even though he only averaged like 10 points a game this year. We're going to take him. We're going to, You know, we want to get him away from other teams and uh, develop him ourselves in our D-League program. We'll give him $125,000 to come to camp and uh, we'll just kind of cut him at the end of camp and he'll be in our D-League team. So it's, uh, yeah, I I don't think that a lot of people realize the effect that all of these new rules are going to have and uh, all of the uh, salary cap rise is going to have. In the decision making process as far as these uh, NBA kids go. Because, like a kid like Julian Jacobs, who, yeah, he's probably on the borderline of getting drafted, but uh, by the end of it, you know, he's 22 already. He's going to be able to probably make $75,000 plus D league wages, plus, or, or, you know, European wages, whatever you want to call it. And he'll have a shot to go to the NBA one day. It's just, it's a. This is going to end up going way more poorly for the college game that I, than I think uh, a lot of coaches realize.
0: I agree. Last question. If these rules would have been in place, say, back around 2009, uh, 10, do we ever get four years of Devin Downing?
2: Oh, man, great question. Have you thought about that? I, don't, I actually have thought about that. I don't think we do. To be honest, I don't think and so either. then the the course of this podcast has changed forever.
0: Shout out to so. Devin Downey. Hey God, that would have been a shame, wouldn't it? Have.
2: Yeah, I I had it in my mind, man. I was seeing how long we could go yet again. So
0: hey, hey Norlander, what time is Kent Bab coming to pick you up to take you to the
2: dome? Let's get this. I got to get over to the dome and work, man. Let's just wrap this podcast up. All right. I got to go. All right. I got to go. Yeah. Um, you you, you want to? We'll, we'll talk again like tomorrow. Hi, Actually, Robert, I'll, see, I you in, I'll I... see you in like 40 minutes.
0: Hey, I don't have anything else to say. All right. Do we, if we, unless something wild happens. Shocking. To, unless something <laughs> wild happens to, to today, I'm out of stuff to say. I don't have anything to say.
2: We'll figure it out.
0: We'll figure it out. Go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast at iTunes. That's the best way to get your hands on the most recent episodes quickly. So do that, and we'll talk tomorrow. Hopefully something will happen, and we'll have something to say. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.